0: Well, this is our last uh, sermon in this series on the Holy Spirit. We hope to do many more uh, in the years to come, Uh, but we've had sort of a brief introduction looking at uh, different uh, key aspects in terms of the character, nature, and work of the Spirit. Uh, This morning, I'd like to begin with a little bit of a story. Uh, This happened... Uh, Back at a time, I wouldn't describe it as a crossroads exactly, but kind of a a time of decision making for Don and I, in terms of what God was doing in our lives, where he was leading us. At the time, I was on staff at Westside Church. We'd been there for about four years or so. Uh, That year, I had expressed a desire to go and plant a church, and at the time, the elders said, "Uh, we don't think it's the time for that. They closed the door. Uh, On that dream that I had, and they actually offered uh, shortly thereafter this administrative position that I wasn't super excited about, but felt like it was the right thing to do. So I found myself uh, in a position where I didn't feel settled. I felt like there was more that God had for me, but I didn't know what it was, and so Don and I were spending a lot of time thinking and praying and really trying to figure out what's next. Like, like God, where is all of this leading? There must be something else. And I'm, I'm wondering if you know that feeling of having a, a desire uh, to know where God wants you to go and how to get there and what to do. Certainly, we've probably all been in a situation in our lives where we've had to make big life decisions. There's, every human being is in that situation, right? Where we want to know, you know, what school should I attend? Uh, what job should I take? Should I get married? If I should get married, who should I marry? And of course, the problem with us as human beings is we don't know the future. And so we spend a lot of time trying to foresee every possible outcome from this decision we're going to make because we want a life with as much joy as possible, with as little pain as possible. So we're always trying to figure things out. But if you're a Christian, there's an added layer to that. If you're a Christian, you, you want to live a life like that, but not just for your sake. We want to live for the glory of God. And so there's an added layer of us wanting to know, God, what do you want me to do? Right? What's your will for my life? I've heard many people say those words. Uh, I've said them, God, if you could just tell me what your will is for my life, I would do it. Whatever it is, God, the indecision is killing me. Just tell me, should I marry this guy? Should I take this job? Should I do this thing? If If you make it clear to me, then I would know that it's the right decision. And I would know down that path is your blessing, that, that is what I want. So God, if you could just give me like a sign or a dream or some sort of like concrete thing, oh, then all my anxiety would go away. Wouldn't that be great? Well, the truth of the matter is that God indeed does give us direction in life. In fact, one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that he gives us direction. He guides us, he directs us. Take a look at these verses uh, that we've seen before. Uh, John 16, 13, when the spirit of truth comes, Jesus says, he will guide you into all truth. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. So this clearly is something that the spirit is meant to do in our lives, that he is guiding us, he's given direction to us. And so that's going to be our focus this morning. What does it mean that the spirit of God is our guide? How does God guide us in life? And so we're going to ask two main questions and have some answers under each one of them. So the first, uh, the questions are these. How does God speak to us, and how are we led by the Spirit? So this is the first one. How does God speak to us? And for this, we're going to look into the book of Hebrews, kind of do a bit of a just brief theological survey, looking at how, what does the Bible say about how God speaks to us. So three answers, okay, three answers. First is this. God has spoken in lots of different ways. Well, how does God speak to us? God has spoken in lots of different ways. Look at Hebrews 1 verse 1. Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So this is referring to the Old Testament times. And clearly, the prophets were one of the main ways that God spoke to his people. He sent people, Isaiah, Ezekiel, with a word from God. Here's what God is saying. But but God used a lot of other instruments. Uh, For example, uh, Abraham heard, just heard the voice of God. Uh, There were many angels that visited people throughout the Old Testament. Like over a hundred examples of when just an angel came, was said something that God wanted to say to someone. There are burning bushes, right? With Moses. There are dreams, like with Joseph. Uh, There are supernatural hands writing on the wall, like in the book of Daniel. There are talking animals, like Balaam's donkey, there's inner voices, there's still voices, there's a pillar of fire, a pillar of cloud there. There are a lot of different ways, if we just look in the Old Testament and we wonder, how, how does God talk to people? The answer is, pretty much any way he wants, right? He can, he can do anything. That's what, that's what we get. He can use anyone, he can do anything. But the question we're asking today isn't, isn't just how has God spoken to his people, or how can God speak to his people? We want to know, how does God speak to us today? So here's our second answer. God speaks through Jesus. God speaks through Jesus. Look at Hebrews 1, 2, and 3. But in these last days, so New Testament era, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. So clearly in the New Testament, God has upgraded or clarified his communication system. With Jesus coming to earth, we now have Emmanuel, God with us. And Jesus said things that made very clear that he was actually speaking what God wanted him to say to the people who were in front of him. Look at John 14, verse 9. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. So in a very literal way, if if you were there with Jesus in front of you, you you were hearing the voice of God. You were hearing God speak directly to his people. And the amazing thing is that that continues to this day. Not that Jesus is here in the flesh, but that we continue to hear from God through Christ. Everything that we need to know in terms of what God has to say to humanity is found in Jesus, in the gospel of Jesus. For example, if we're wondering, like, who are we as human beings? These existential big questions about who we are, what our purpose is. We we know because the gospel tells us, look, we are creations of God, but also we're sinners. On our own, we're far from God. And if we're wondering, How God feels about us and, you know, who he is, we can see in the gospel. He's the creator God who made us, but he also redeems us. He loves us. He extends grace to us through his son. So Jesus is is the word of God. He communicates to us everything we need to know about who God is, who we are, and the hope that we have. Because Jesus came, died, and was resurrected. So now we can be absolutely certain. That God's word to us as his people is not a word of judgment, not a word of condemnation, but a word of grace and mercy and life in Jesus. So God speaks to us through his son. But also, also number three, God speaks through the Holy Spirit and the word. If you jump ahead a bit in the book of Hebrews, uh, you see that chapters three and four speak a lot more about how God speaks to his people today. So here's, uh, this is repeated a few times. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. So, so God is speaking today. H- how is he speaking today? Well, if you track it through to the end of uh, chapter four, you find this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the progression that we see through Hebrews is that if we want to hear the voice of God today, we need to soften our hearts to the word of God, to the Bible, to the Holy Scriptures, because it, is, it isn't just a book. This is a book, but not just a book. We see there that it's, it's living and active. It cuts to the very core of our being Contains the very words of God, words that we need to hear, words that can give us direction for our lives. But here's the important thing to understand. It's not just the Bible that we need. See, there are lots of people who have read the Bible cover to cover and have not heard from God. Have not gained any any spiritual insight or direction in their lives. Remember a friend of mine that I grew up with, he was not a believer, and uh, in our uh, college years, he was going to Douglas College and he took a course uh, called the Literary Bible, I think it was called. And it was basically studying the Bible as literature. And so he knew I was a Christian, so he asked me to help him out. He was reading through big sections of scripture, reading through the Bible, writing essays on the Bible. But through that process, he didn't draw nearer to God. In fact, to this day, sadly, he's still far from God. Why? Because he had the Bible, but he didn't have the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the one who opens our eyes to understand the Bible and actually apply it spiritually to our lives. And this makes sense because, for one thing, uh, the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Uh, Take a look at these verses just to remind us. Uh, 2 Peter 1.21, For no prophecy uh, was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is God-breathed. So when we're reading the Bible, we're reading what the Holy Spirit wants to say. What he inspired the authors of Scripture to write down, word for word, exactly what God had to say to humanity. But the second thing we need to understand is that the Spirit is the one who opens our hearts and our minds to actually hear what God is saying. He illuminates our darkened souls. Look at this few verses, these couple of verses in 1 Corinthians 2. Very clear, it says, now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. So it's saying there are are things that God wants to say, things that have been given to us by God, but we need the spirit to actually understand them. To actually draw near to the Lord. And that's, that's what Jesus said the Spirit would do. He said that when he comes, he would guide us into all truth. So what do we have so far? We ask the question, how does God speak to us? And we've, we've learned, just a quick survey, that God can speak to us in any way that he wants. In the past, he's done it in, in lots of different ways. But now with the coming of Jesus, we have the primary revelation of God is now Jesus. He, he is where we, we come to know God and understand who he is. He is the conduit of information that is clear and authoritative. And the scriptures are the primary way that we understand who Jesus is, that we hear from him today. But that happens through the illuminating work of the Spirit. If you're a Christian here this morning, my guess is that to all of that, you would say yes and amen. Yes, Matt, I, I know that, or I, I kind of know that, I believe that, that's great. But you're also probably wondering, I, I always have, you know, but what about the dreams and the visions that people have in the Bible? And I still hear about it today. Like, like when those verses say we are to be led by the Spirit and we are to keep in step with the Spirit, doesn't, doesn't that mean we should expect to get some sort of specific answers to the questions of our lives? Like, God, I, I, I need to know what I'm supposed to do in this situation. Spirit, please help me. And that we should expect to get an answer because we're to be led by the Spirit, right? Isn't that what it means? Well, the answer is yes and no. Uh, Yes, yes, the Spirit of God is directing us in our lives today, but no, you may not get a specific direct answer from God about every question that you have in your lives. So to kind of wrestle with this a bit, we're going to look more closely at what it means to be led by the Spirit. Okay, how can we be led by the Spirit? What are some key Principles or things we should know and understand about what it looks like to be led by the Spirit of God today. Uh, Four things this time three and then four. Okay. First one is this To be led by the Spirit, we need to be growing in holiness. We need to grow in holiness. See, we will always be in the dark spiritually if we are not maturing in Christ. So so let me give you an example just to kind of see how this works. Imagine you had a friend and He came to you and said, uh, the most amazing thing happened yesterday. You would not believe it. I heard from God yesterday. You know how I've been trying to figure out what am I supposed to do with my life? What's the right thing for me to do? And I've been really thinking about it. And I even prayed about it a little bit. And I heard from God. Here's what he told me to do. He said, I need to go to Tahiti and I need to do some beach ministry in Tahiti. Because there's people on the beach that need to know about Jesus. And I really love the beach. So I feel like this is the perfect thing. This is what God wants for me. Right? Amen? He wants you to be so excited. How would you think about that, that word from God? That word from God? Well, probably the way that you would sort of discern or figure out whether or not that is actually from God. I mean, that's something God could say. right? He does want people on beaches to know about Jesus. That's true. But how do we know, how do we know that, it's, that it's actually him speaking to your friend? Probably a, a big... Um, one of the ways you would figure that out or discern that would be your friend like his life. Like, for example, if you knew that your friend um, would call himself a Christian but really was not living a life that was near to God. Like, you knew that your your friend, I mean, he really didn't read his Bible very much. He kind of went to church every now and again, didn't really have much of a prayer life. There's huge areas of sin that he seemed just fine with, sleeping with his girlfriend, uh, just spending all his money on himself. Just a lot of things that you would just look at and say, like he's not really walking closely with the Lord. If that was the case, I think we'd be more skeptical. Now to be clear, to be clear, it's not that God only speaks to spiritually mature people. Every one of us, was dead in our sin, totally far from God, hopeless without him, and yet he saved us. He spoke into our lives in grace and mercy. So it's not that we have to clean ourselves up and then maybe God will speak to us, but our ability to discern spiritual truths is tied to our spiritual health. A person who is disconnected from the word, living a lifestyle that grieves the spirit of God, that contradicts the word of God and there's no evidence of repentance, they are gonna have a tough time discerning what is from God and what isn't. Because sin always clouds our hearts and our mind to what is true. This, this actually comes up in Hebrews, in that section I was talking about. Look at uh, chapter three, verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there, be any of, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God, But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So this is where the sanctifying work and the guiding work of the Spirit go hand in hand. As the Spirit sanctifies us, draws us near to Jesus, we repent, we grow in holiness, we will be better able to discern His, his will, his leading, his direction in our lives. So if this morning you're in a place where you, you feel a bit in the dark, where you've been trying to, to get some direction from God and you just feel like you haven't got it, one good thing to do, an important thing to do, is to ask the Holy Spirit to, to convict you of any sin that you don't see. To ask, is there a blind spot in my life? Or perhaps you know there's an area of your life you just haven't wanted to deal with. As, as you repent, as you come to the cross of Jesus again, for, for grace, uh, there will be also clarity in your mind, clarity of your heart, to actually hear from the Spirit of God. So the first thing, we need to grow in holiness if we are to be led by the Spirit. But secondly, secondly, to be led by the Spirit, um, we don't need to wait for a sign. If we wanna be directed by God, we don't need to wait from, for some miraculous sign. Uh, I remember in my 20s, uh, there was a girl that was kind of part of our friends group and she was really into signs from God. I remember one time we were in the car going somewhere and she was dating this guy and she's like, I really want to know if I should marry him. So what I've done is I have asked God for five signs by the end of the month, five signs. If I get five signs from God, then I have to marry him. It's good, for sure. going to be real. So I said, well, how do you, what do those signs look like? And she said, well, I'm, I'm not sure, but I will know them when I see them. So I don't actually know what happened, but I think she married someone else. So I think she didn't get the signs that she wanted. But you hear this kind of thing a lot, right? People will say in the church, if I just had a sign from God, I would know what to do. And they'll say, look, in the Bible, there are signs, right? Gideon had, there's a fleece. Was it wet? Was it not wet? That was a sign from God. Moses was feeling kind of nervous. God had a staff that turned into a snake and then back into a staff. He knew that God was with him. There's people who get dreams and visions. God, why can't I get one of those? That's what I want, because then I would know that you're with me and be so clear. And as we've seen, God can do those things. That there are areas of the world where the first thing that people know about Jesus uh, is that he appears to them in a dream. And, and he and th- leads them to the church, leads them to a Bible. Okay, God can do those things even today. But the question we should be asking is, should we expect those things? Like, should we put our lives on hold until we get a sign or an audible voice of God, or something like that, so that we know the direction we should go? So to answer that question, uh, I want to look at the book of Acts, a short, short section from the apostles. This is the beginning of the church. They're going around evangelizing, uh, trying to reach people for Jesus, and we have many evidences of the Spirit of God kind of intervening and directing them. So I want to look at one of them so we can glean some insights. This is Acts 16, 6-10, and it reads this way. Uh, this is Paul and his, and his group. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go on into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, I think that we would very much prefer if the Holy Spirit worked this way, right? If if it was just like, no, don't do that, but do that. Okay, vision every night, that's what I'm supposed to do tomorrow. Oh, so helpful, so thankful. I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. It's great, it's wonderful, and clearly God works that way, but... I think what we sometimes miss in passages like, like these is the fact that Paul never waited for a, for a sign or a vision to move forward. You notice that? Like I know there's lots of um, uh, cities and towns there, but, but if the very first thing it said was that they had been forbidden to speak the word in Asia. So they wanted to go to Asia and somehow the spirit of God said, no, you're not supposed to go there. Do you notice what they didn't do? They didn't stop. And say, okay, guys, hang on a minute. We almost went in the wrong direction. What we need to do, obviously, is stay right here. Like, make a camp, Paul, make a tent. And we're just gonna pray until we get a sign because we don't want, what if we move forward and go in the wrong direction? So we have to stay, we have to wait. That sounds kind of spiritual, doesn't it? It Sounds, I mean, there's a heart there that really wants to know the, the direction that God is leading. But do you notice that that's not what they did? They just keep moving forward. It's almost like they bump into walls. Asia, no, I can't go there, right? Wanna go a little bit? No, can't go there, can't go to Bethany. Keep, they keep, they keep moving. Why? Because, because they have been given a general direction from Jesus. Go and make disciples of all the nations. And so they keep moving forward, confident that if God doesn't want them to go somewhere, He'll tell them. They might get a vision, they might get a sign, they might get just an inkling in their heart, whatever it might be, but the, the pattern of life is to keep moving forward, not to just sit and wait until they get some grand vision from God. And you might ask yourself, well, weren't they worried about going in the wrong direction? And the answer to that is, there is no wrong direction when you're trying to tell people about Jesus. Like the, the, it wasn't, it wasn't sin to try to go into Asia. It's just that, that God didn't want them to go that, that way. So he directed them. What they were doing was using the brains that God had given them and a heart for the loss that God had given them to try to do the best job that they could. You'll notice they weren't trying to go to India. They weren't trying to go to Britannia. Those, they were super far away. It didn't make any sense. They were just looking at what was available. Where were the doors open? Where did it make sense? Where were the cultural centers? Where it would be good to start a church? And they just did that. It seemed like a good idea. In fact, that's the language you get in certain parts of Acts. Look at these verses. This is when they're trying to decide who to, to bring along. Acts 15, 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church to choose men from among them. But then notice verse 28, for it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us. So what's going on there? They're they're just praying, thinking together, getting some direction from the Spirit of God, but sometimes just deciding this, this seems like the right thing to do. It seemed good. And they do it. Because God's given them a brain. God's given us brains. We have the Holy Spirit now within us, directing us. We don't have to wait for a hand writing on the wall or a dream or a vision. We can adopt that pattern in our lives today. I remember when Don and I, uh, we just got married. Uh, I was on staff at Willingdon at the time and I was trying to decide. I just finished my teacher training. So for the next year, I was trying to decide, should I go be a TOC, try to find work teaching or should I take this job at the church? And Pastor Carlin, uh, who was the senior pastor at the time, he he said, look, Matt, he said, listen, either one of these choices are good choices. You're not falling into sin by doing one or the other. He said, in a situation like this, what you need to do is you need to set a date in the future. By that date, you're gonna make the decision. And between now and then, you pray, you read your Bible, you talk to the people, you you open yourself up to the direction and leading of the Spirit of God. And it may be that between now and then, you will get a vision from God. God can do that if he wants to. But more than likely you'll probably get to that date and you will simply have a sense of what you think is best and then you do that. That is the way that we see the apostles make the decisions. They think, they pray, they figure it out, they move forward and sometimes God intervenes in a more supernatural way. Great, right. Of course, they they listen to that. But we as Christians don't, don't need to be stagnant or kind of paralyzed waiting for God to tell us something we need to know. We can trust that his spirit is guiding us and leading us each day. We don't need to wait for a sign. But the third thing is this. We do need to listen for the voice of the Spirit. Last week, we talked about how dangerous it is to become callous to the voice of God in our lives. And there we were talking primarily about issues of sin, like sanctification. But the Spirit does also give us direction at times in a similar way. And so the story was telling at the beginning where we were trying to figure out, should we plant a church? What should we do? Uh, This is what happened to me where I, I feel very clearly like I heard the, the voice of the Spirit, a conviction in my heart. And it happened along this process. Uh, I, was, I was reading my Bible daily, up early, praying. Don and I were talking, trying to figure out what does God have for us next? And one morning in, in my devotions, there was, there was something that gripped me. There was a verse that just gripped my heart and I knew in a moment what we had to do. The two questions we were, we were wondering about, where should we live and what should we do? And the answer to those questions I felt from the Lord where we need to live in the Tri-Cities and we need to plant a church. It was crystal clear. It was, it was a, a compulsion. I felt like if we did not do this, we would be disobedient. So I talked with Don. We prayed about it. We agreed. I wrote a letter to the elders of, of Westside saying, this is what I feel the Lord is leading me to do. I'd like to maybe do it with you guys, but if not, I think I need to resign. And so we started going down that path. It was, it was a moment that you probably maybe have experienced where you felt like the Spirit of God was speaking to you. And I really wanted to find that verse. I had written a note in a Bible or something, and so Don and I spent a lot of time trying to find that because I was like, it'd be so great to find that. I couldn't find it. But, <laughs> uh, but here's what I did find. I thought this was interesting. As I looked through my old, old Bible, I found a number of, uh, of notes that I'd written in the margins of, of dates and times where I felt like the spirit of God was speaking to me through the word. And so I just wanna share them with you just so you can see a kind of how this might work. So for example, here's one note, it'll be hard to read, but because of my handwriting. September 4th, uh, 2011, I was reading Psalm 42 and in the margins there, I just wrote, this is what I need to do. And I underlined uh, hope in God. I don't know what was going on in my life, but that was a moment where I felt the spirit of God saying hope, hope in God. I was encouraged, I wrote it down, wanted to take note of it. August 20th, uh, 2012, Uh, this was in our time in the North Shore. Uh, You can't see in the margins there, but I wrote struggling, struggling with this, needed to hear this. This is my heart is what I wrote because there it's the psalmist just struggling, kind of feeling the weight and yet feeling uplifted by the Lord. Uh, June 2014, Isaiah 49, uh, the note there is waiting to hear about a decision to plant a campus. And I wrote wrote there, um, those who wait on the Lord will not be put to shame. That's the verse. And I needed to hear that. In fact, I ended up waiting a lot longer than I thought, but I was encouraged by a word from the spirit using the word of God. And finally, July 2014, uh, Jeremiah 110. um, This is when I was transitioning roles into that administrative role that I wasn't super excited about, but I felt it was right. And the verse there was that we need to obey the voice of the Lord. And that's what I felt in the moment I needed to do. Obey uh, what was before me, and in all of this, you know, this is the encouraging direction of the Spirit of God. And my hope is that for all of us, our, our Bibles, our lives are filled with notes like these, moments where in our daily lives we, we feel the voice, we hear the voice of God because He is speaking. And here's the, here's the dynamic that I want us to see. The farther are, the farther we are away from the Word of God, the The less confident we should be about any word that we hear. And yet the closer we are to to the Word of God, the more that it has saturated our mind and our heart and filled our mind and our heart, the more sensitive we will be, the more confident we will be to what the Spirit is saying to us. To the point that we we don't need to be in front of the Bible. Okay, there's a clear connection between the word and the spirit, but when we get to the point where our minds and hearts have been transformed are being transformed by the word, we can be simply walking through our daily life, praying, asking the spirit of God for direction, and we will feel those promptings. And when we do, we need to obey them. We need to allow the spirit to speak into our lives and lead us where he wants us to go. And the way that we can be sure or confident about those words is that they they are in agreement with scripture. So the last the last insight, the last principle for how to be led by the Spirit is this. Uh, We just basically have written, don't look back. We shouldn't look back when the Spirit is leading us. See, if we actually want to be led by the Spirit, then we are gonna end up walking down some very rocky paths, and we are gonna be tempted to look back. We are gonna be tempted to think that we are on the wrong path, but being guided by God doesn't mean that we will have a life of ease and comfort. It means that we're going to have a life like the life of Jesus. And one thing you, you notice when you look at the life of Jesus as he's, his life and ministry here on this earth is that there were a lot of rocky, difficult situations and the Spirit of God was often the one leading him in that direction. Look at Luke 4, verses 1 and 2. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. So the Spirit of God led Jesus into the most horrendous time of tempting any human being has endured. 40 days without food, alone in the wilderness, the devil himself using all of his cunning to try to tempt and deceive Jesus. But Jesus never thought that he was in the wrong place. He always trusted that where the Spirit leads is the right place place for us to be. And it's really important that we understand that because I think we spend a lot of time second guessing the decisions in our lives. Like we look back and we think, I've taken a wrong turn. I shouldn't be here. Now, now we have to be clear. If we have made uh, decisions that may bring us into sin, then we do need to look back. I mean, if we're in a sinful pattern of our lives, if we're disobeying the word of God, then we need to turn around, we need to repent, we need to go back to Jesus. But if we have been with a genuine, not perfect, but genuine heart trying to follow the leading of God, trying to make good decisions in our life, and we find ourselves in a time of testing or trial, we shouldn't spend all our time looking back and thinking that we're in the wrong place. Because adversity is not a sign that we've taken a wrong turn. It's not a sign that we're far away from where God wants us. In fact, if you you read the Bible you know, it's pretty clear that if you're having a difficult time, if it's time of trial and testing, that you are probably exactly where God wants you to be. Because down those kinds of paths is where the Holy Spirit will sanctify us, where he will draw us near to Jesus, and where he will use us to accomplish the purposes of God in the world. And that's exactly what we've been learning that the Spirit is going to do. right? His work and ministry in our lives is, is to bring us nearer to Jesus. I mean, just think of all the things that we've learned thus far, right? In our, in our short series, right? We've seen that, that the Spirit is the one who mediates Jesus. He, he brings the very presence of Jesus close to us, that we might know Jesus in an intimate and tangible way. The Spirit is the one who gives us gifts, spiritual gifts for our good, for the good of our church, for the glory of God. The Spirit is the one who sanctifies us, Growing us in Christ likeness, helping us to better see the things that are really important in the world, that are everlasting, the things that are going to fall away. And today, I hope we're seeing that the Spirit through all of this is going to be our guide. We can and should expect that He will guide us in our daily lives. And, and to do that, we need to keep in mind the principles we see in Scripture, that we need to draw near to the Word, we need to turn away from sin to soften our hearts and our minds and and then listen for the voice and actually go where he leads. So I'm gonna close our time just by praising the spirit for all that he does and praising Jesus for sending us his Holy Spirit. Lord Jesus, I am thankful, so thankful that, that you saw that it was better to go away and to send the spirit to us. It's an amazing thing that that you came in the flesh, lived and died on our behalf. We're here with us. And then you left and said, it's better that I would send my spirit to to live within you, to be the convicting, guiding voice within you that will lead you into all truth. And I pray, I pray Jesus, that that would be true of us. I pray that you would help us to see that we have something so much better than, than miraculous signs in the sky or dream visions. We have the spirit of God within us. His voice being able to to echo in in our minds and our hearts to bring alive scripture so that we would actually be able to follow your leading and walk in a pattern after you, Jesus. I I pray for us. I pray you'd help us to do that. I pray you'd help us to indeed turn away from sin where we are convicted to, to actually repent genuinely. And I pray also that we would have the courage to step out in whatever direction you are leading us. I pray that we would not turn back, we would not harden our hearts like the Israelites did in the time of rebellion, but Lord, that we would trust you, that we would believe that where you lead will be good for us, even if there's difficulty, even if there's challenge, and that we would see that the greatest prize, the end of this race, is that we are more and more like you, Jesus, and closer to you. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.